we are fundamentally existentially afraid of sharing our truth with each other right but but if we can basically be willing to be the one to do that and to go first it opens up everybody else and it's it's just it's such a huge gift and so whether you're a ceo and you're running a company or whether you're a dad you know, doing your best to keep a, a marriage healthy or, you know, family going. It's, it's, it's the same exact skill set. I am humbled and honored to share a conversation I had recently with Dan Doherty. Dan is a writer, wilderness guide, men's work leader, somatic meditation teacher, and he's a global leader in the current men's movement. He is deeply steeped in nature and committed to practicing and sharing work that brings our wildness and our love out into the open. And I think wildness and love would be two key themes of our conversation, I have no doubt. Um, I know Dan from a fatherhood training and program and one-to-one coaching as well as a group program I've done with Dan last year as I, as I began my journey in fatherhood with my two young kids I have. And, you know, he helped me be the best father, leader, man I'm capable of being, and, and it's a continuous journey. He's a friend, and look, we both just spoke with raw honesty. Um, we talk about how through just being ourselves and our speaking our truth, we lead to massive positive ripples, and how you can do that, because it's not an easy thing to do. Um, we explore how you can build healthy relationships built on love, built on realness, and, and no bullshit. We delve into the power of giving yourself the permission to do what you want. You know, my... We need to spend more time out in the wild, you know, and some of the full open-hearted connections that Dan has built with his own father. And, and we even explore some of my own connection and, and what I've built with, with my own father as well. So great conversation, full of full of honesty and realness. And I think that's ultimately what the podcast is all about. Conversations without limits. All right, Dan. You know, you're a good man, and I would say, you know, a good friend as well, and definitely someone I can call on at any stage. But through the Fatherhood Unlocked program, which was a transformational program for me, I never forgot, you know, the way you introduced um, one of the sessions was you asked us a question. And I've actually used this in my own um, sessions with teams and, and even one to one with leaders that I work with. And it was, um, how are you actually? <laughs> right. So that, that last piece. <laughs> So I'm yeah. going to ask you that question right now. So how, yeah. how are you doing, man? Actually. Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's such a simple, fucking powerful question. Um, yeah. That, that'd be, I, maybe one day I'll write that book. How are you? I was actually just thinking about that last night. That's a good title. How are you? Uh, how am I actually? I am, uh, I am so many different things. I am right now... Uh, I guess most present. I mean, I like being on podcasts. I like you a lot. And so I'm pretty happy nice. just to be here and letting everything else go uh, and just having a conversation. That's, that's inviting. That feels good. Uh, I am, I'm pretty well rested. I, uh, my wife did the the big chore this morning of letting me leave early in the morning and she took care of the whole morning routine with all three children. Uh, so I got two hours of <clears throat> practice under my belt and, took care of myself. So I actually feel really grounded. Um, I feel what, what, how, how else am I? I'm uh, a little bit off 
just challenged and just feeling like uh, not super balanced and solid in a lot of ways, but not in a way, not in a way that's concerning or I'm trying to fix. I think we're just going through a lot of big transitions and, and um, I'm, uh, I'm mostly fantastic, I guess. Mm. Is what I'd say. <laughs> mostly fantastic. Come on, Dan. So thank, thanks for sharing that. And again, it was powerful, a powerful ex- exercise. Just to uh, simply ask a question. Um, and to speak to it from an honest and transparent place and you've you definitely done that now and you, you know a couple of things come in there you mentioned you, you got space to do two hour practice this morning mm-hmm. tell me more about that what do you do oh I'm a I'm a Buddhist um, Vajrayana Buddhist pra- meditation practitioner and um, so I mean as you can see by my background here I have my little shrine in the Sorry. back of my office here and uh uh, my longer practices when I have time for it involves um, uh, physical movements and, you know, reciting passages and sitting meditation kind of all wrapped together. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, there's, there's several, I've been doing this for about a dozen years, a little bit more um, and gone through a lot of different yeah. shades and ver- versions of it right now. But yeah, that's, that's, um, um I guess if I if I were to try to sum it up, what the practice is, it's it's just it's a bunch of different ways to just get over myself, <laughs> to like yeah. actually actually sort of get get out of my own way. Uh, not not in even like a functional capacity, but just from a, a pretty experiential capacity, just to sort of clear clear out all the all the all the mm. things. Yeah, come out of your head and into your life. Right, that's yeah. kind of something that never that struck me when I heard it. Never, never forgot it. So, so then I definitely will circle back to some of the things you shared already. But like, just can you give people context about Dan? Because you've had a very interesting life, and a lot of yeah. things have happened to lead you along the way. So, so even if you just take us back to your earlier days, you know, when you were yeah. a kid and kind of, do you know what? Can you tell us more about that experience, your experiences, and when you are now? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in a in a very small town in North Dakota, and North Dakota is one of the central. It's the northernmost central state in the United States, and it's very flat. It's very very agricultural. Um, it's very barren. It's it's kind of just like a big, wide open, flat, windy, cold uh, place, settled mostly by Northern Europeans, Germans. Um, uh, and so, yeah, my ancestry is uh, a lot of a lot of German and uh, English, you know, from the UK. Uh, I grew up in, a, in an intact family, you know, uh, parents who loved each other and a, a little brother. And, and we had a lot of we had a lot of good had a lot of goodness. We didn't grow up wealthy. We grew up, you know, uh, basically lower middle class, lower middle class, maybe to start and then kind of grew up to regular middle class. Um, and you know i had a i had a i think what defines my childhood when i look at it now is just i i was a really 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 kind of extra sensory aware kid i i had i was i was a sensitive dude um and um the culture and people i lived with and the family was was very um you know not very uh open or aware to I don't know, just even just so, so what to me feels like normal life now, like the emotions flowing through my body, bodily awareness, like mm. 
just community, how people interact, like warmth, giving love, affection, touch, all of these things. My my there, that was mostly devoid of, of a lot of those. Yeah. What what I, what I you know consider now to be just kind of very normal human expressive mm-hmm. ways of being, right? So so it's a fairly sort of um, you know not not touchy feely and not very not very much going on and and. And I think that defined things for me because I had that stuff going on inside of me, but but nobody else seemed to. And so I kind of stuffed it, kind of buried it, right? And yeah. it wasn't necessarily a problem or anything. I, I had some passions growing up. I was a bookworm. I loved to read. Um, I loved nature. I fell in love with nature early. I was a martial artist. I got, I got really lucky, I feel, because I got into Taekwondo martial yeah. art at a young age and was fucking bananas about it, right? I got my first black belt, junior black belt when I was 12 and I was a secondary junior black belt. And like, that was, that was a really wonderful outlet for me. I had a lot of energy. I had, uh, you know, uh, that practice, I think really built my, my confidence, my sense of self. Um, yeah, it kind of turned me from this really shy little squidgy guy into like kind of like a confident <laughs> badass by the time I was 12. Right. And I had a lot of uh, had a lot of self-assurance and then yeah and then i tripped into the into the wilderness part and really just like poof, found a like in a like my happy place right when I, that that was my it was and still is my happy place is mm. just being outside right then um so so you kind of at 12 years of age kind of got that confidence from you know what you were throwing yourself into and kind of you know becoming better and better at and true improvement you kind of gain confidence 12 school came along and I suppose then you know when you move towards the kind of late teenage years early 20s so where where's Dan at that yeah. point I think um I mean I I quit martial arts when I was 16 I started playing football instead and I was good at football um American football or not American football. football yeah because football, American soccer, football. it's a big yeah. thing at the moment you know yeah Both American football um you know, and I and I was and I started. I was in a metal band, right? And when I was in my teens, and we went to a lot of. I was really into heavy metal. I was into. I was into my girlfriend. <laughs> like, um, had yeah, had a lot of fun, I guess. And then the, I think the next big turning point for me is I went away to college, to university, and uh, I got lucky because I had a. I went to college with a girl that I was dating, yeah. and um, she 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 grabbed me by the ear and drug me to Europe. Our our second year, our sophomore year of college, yeah. and and I you know I was pretty naive and just had just had a very small worldview. I didn't know what was out there. I didn't know what was mm-hmm. possible. And that that experience was just in- incredible to to break out of the small Midwest mindset that I grew mm-hmm. up in and just see the world and. Um, yeah, that was, that was a huge, and, and I'd say the one other thing in my early twenties, so I did that. And then the next year, um, I did a, uh, a study abroad program in Ecuador, um, which was an anthropologically focused program. So we stayed with indigenous tribes, both in the lowlands, down Jeez, in the yeah. jungle, up in the highlands and, um, you know, sat through an ayahuasca ceremony as part of, you know, we didn't drink ayahuasca, but, but, but I basically stumbled to um, that. Thinking about it, it was really huge. That trip unlocked basically a huge string of life events for me because two things like that sitting in that ceremony was really, really critical. It just, it like exploded my worldview in a way that, that I had no way to conceive about but then um, one of the mentors, one of the teachers on the program, he was the same couple that actually led our program to England. 
Um, but he like somehow, I don't know how he did it, but he basically gave me permission to go do whatever the fuck I wanted and to go have adventures and just on the trip risks while you were over there. Just, well, yes, but, but globally in my life, somehow those two experiences, yeah, unleashed me for my twenties, which just ended up me being exploring the fucking world, exploring my psyche, exploring, spirituality yeah, know, just like just fucking went after it you know? that's interesting I'm, cu- I'm curious like what was it what was it about like you, you know what, what what triggered that kind of you know I'm going to this is what I, I'm going to get after this like what you know what was it like what was it about that Ecuador trip let's say you know that kind of really drove you on well I mean there's I think there's a <sighs> A couple things. So first of all, I mean, you know, even as I talked about when I was a little kid, you know, I had this, I just, I have a lot of energy and I had a lot of energy then. And I've always had, and I have a lot of passion and I have a lot of curiosity and I have a lot mm. of creativity. And like, I like to just fucking, you know, like I, I like to, I always feel like in some sense, um, it's been hard to ever find a role or a specific thing that that felt like there was enough room for me right and i just i think yeah. there's there's a sort of a bigness in terms of my passions and interests and all of these things and so on that trip to ecuador i think what happened specifically first of all just going through that landscape and seeing seeing the the immense rainforest and seeing the andes mountains and um, but also I do believe that spending some of that time with the, with the indigenous groups that we did was really impactful too, because what, what I recognized before I had the language for it, what I recognized as a young man was that these people were, were so much more alive yeah. than anybody I had ever met before in such a simple way. in just like the way they breathed and walked and interacted with the plants and, and just the way they interacted with each other, like, it was really just like a holy shit. Like these people are actually alive and we're doing this weird, like, uh, like I don't know, we're doing this weird thing. It's just like this huge exhale. It's like, fuck, what if I could just be alive too? You know, and this is this, I'm, I'm take this all with a grain of salt, but that's how it felt. And then for Jim, who is this old man, 70 years old, Jim below professor of mine, um, you know, I mean, he climbed up to the glaciers at 16,000 feet with us while smoking cigarettes the whole way, right? And he's like, <laughs> this dude, like, climbing on glaciers with nothing but a tarp. And, like, he was a fucking badass. He, he was a badass, yeah. yeah like, badass. I say you learned a lot, he, right? You, you learned a lot. I say you kind of, he impacted you big time as well, right? Oh, you know, if what you're saying. He, no. he, hugely, man. He literally, I remember we were in this van, right? Like, going up over these giant mountain passes. And I think I was sitting next to him. It was interesting. So I, for the first thing that happened is, is there was a, um, there was some, there was some little village that I heard about. We were staying in this town called Soroguro. There was something going on like an hour away. I don't even remember what it was, but I'm like, I want to go. And I asked him like, Hey, can I go? He's like, yeah, how are you going to go? I said, well, I guess I'll see if there's a bus. And he's like, yeah, if I can do it. And you know, that was just like one little tiny permission thing. But but that was like me all on my own in a country I didn't know the language, like going to fucking have this event, you know, yeah. going to do this thing. But then it's, it's, I don't know what it was, but I think there was actually a conversation or I made it up in my mind where I'm just like, 
man, I would love to blank. I would love to go here. I'd love to see the Himalaya. I would love to do this. And he's just like, well, you, 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 you should, you know, you, you should. You just got to do should. it, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, well, <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah, I will then, you know. Um, so that's it. So, so look, then, brilliant story. I'm, I'm, I can, I'm nearly putting myself, you know, in there with you, you know, and, and the professor you had there as well, like, you know, I'd love to, I've gotten to know him. But you came back after and you said it kind of a chain, there was a chain of events that kind of it just set off a domino effect of your life taking off. So tell me more. Well, yeah, I, we, the, the next real thing was came back from that, finished my school out. At, at that time, I thought I would go back to get my right into a PhD program and become a, a professor of philosophy. That's what I had planned. That's what I thought I would do. Yeah. Um, what stage now? What's the real time name? I was what, 22? I was 21 or 22? Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to go. I wanted to, I, I thought I'd go right into a PhD program. Um, and then I just realized, like, fuck that. Yes. <laughs> just like everything, <laughs> everything inside of me is just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, there's no, there's no fucking way. That was a long journey if you went that route at that age. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. So um, the first thing we did is, is I was dating uh, another, a, a woman named Jess, who's just incredible and still a good friend. Uh, I had a long relationship with her. But at that time, you know, we were just hungry for adventure, right? So she, she was studying to be a teacher and she had this opportunity to do her student teaching program in Panama, in Central America. And we're just, and she's like, well, I'm, you know, we're just like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So we moved to Panama for half a yeah. year. And um and, you know, I had, I had been, well, actually, no, wait, sorry, I missed something. I moved back to Ecuador. After that trip, I was so taken. I moved back to Ecuador to learn Spanish, have a bunch of adventures. Um, and then, and then fairly shortly after my girlfriend and I moved to Panama. So, so we just, we were in, you know, she had lived in Costa Rica. She spoke good Spanish. I was learning Spanish. We moved to Panama, you know, no fucking big plan. I had saved some cash from being a waiter at a high-end restaurant, yeah. right? So we just like, we're just young and, and, and living. And uh, yeah, that Panama experience was, was incredible. I wrote a novel while I was there. Uh, I just kind of like started <laughs> writing and, and, and wrote a book and it's not out. Yeah. It's not published. It's not, it's not readable. But, um, it's, a, it's a memoir. But just, yeah. Yeah. Well, but just like, you know, it was, it was just, it was a great adventure. We had a great adventure. And then at, at part on the end of it, started running out of money and we had to come back to the States. She finished her program and, um, and was looking for a job back in the States. And I found a job as a wilderness therapy guide, just, just on a Craigslist ad. Um, and I, you know, it was something I hadn't heard of before. I didn't know what the job was, but, but it was, you know, it was basically like, Hey, do you want to go spend eight days or 14 days at a time living in the wilderness under tarps, learning primitive skills and helping young people? And I'm like, you were like, hell yes. <laughs> like, That's, yes. Yeah. You're yes. talking to me. I, I do want to do that. So. But you often, yeah, Daniel, you often reference, like you often reference that in, in your programs and, and when your teaching has been, you know, a huge experience and a huge um, journey for you and especially dealing with the helping, obviously the wilderness and being out in nature is, immense but then helping people i think it was young it was it was teenagers right it was kind of any and with their fathers as well and again that's a pivotal time for you in terms of your your next move right so again i can't imagine how yeah. amazing that was 
no, it was, it was, it was huge, huge, huge and fundamental. And it really took, you know, a lot of that energy for adventure I had, and it started to shape it and, and, you know, make it directional in a sense. Right. And so I did that for a handful of years and it, it, it was, um, you know, I worked for several programs. It was young men, young men, either sort of in trouble with the law in a, in like a yeah. locked up potential or a therapeutic potential, which, you know, the programs were somewhat similar, but, and the intentions were somewhat similar. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just incredible. It was incredibly aligned work for me because of the nature and also just the mental, I had a, I had a penchant for being a, a mentor or a teacher. Like I always figured that was the direction yeah. um, that made the most sense to go into. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, like, I, it's hard to quantify the value that came out of that. First of all, you know, I literally got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice facilitating groups in really rugged conditions with a lot of people who were really not very happy and, you know, in crisis. And so I had to really, it was just like an intensive training, right? Yeah, like yeah, how, to, yeah. How, to, how to manage and coach and facilitate people. Um, and, you know, and it also just lit the fire on my passion for, uh, for supporting men and boys in, in that part of our culture. And uh, yeah, I did mention, so the, the times that I got to work with fathers and sons in the field were, were were the most impactful, I would say the most acutely impactful to me because they just, they, they, they clarified and basically handed me a note about uh, what's mostly an unspoken, but widespread and very deep issue that, that individuals and families in our culture as a whole has, which is, which is the, the shutdown humanity of, of men and, and what, that, yeah, what, that, what that means in order to be a father and how it gets passed on from generation to generation. Right. So that really, in a sense, those, that gig gave me marching orders that they weren't super clear, like, you know, here's step one, step two, but they basically gave me more marching orders um, for my yeah. for the rest of my career. And can, can you tell me more than about, you know, if you just step into that world where you were uh, facilitating those experiences and, journeys for the fathers and sons like what 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 would it mean like what was what was that like like what was the what were the conversations that were had what was the you know what was your what was your objective and how you know how did you achieve the objective what was that like yeah i mean the objective of the programs in general was to was a couple things you know one would be to remove the kid from his normal environment um to have some space and some healthier practices you know, away from drugs, away from video games, away from the things that were, mm. that were problems. Yeah, that makes the sense. You know, the programming was generally therapeutic in nature. Um, and so, you know, we, we talked and had conversations about all kinds of things. You know, we, we, we learned about emotional uh, fluency and goal setting and, you know, positive minds, just all, all, I mean, you name it, all of the, the therapeutically oriented stuff. But, you know, specifically, specifically with the fathers and sons, you know, if I were to take some liberties, I think, you know, th the point in one sense was to create an environment, set the conditions for, uh, for dad and son to actually be able to communicate, share more of their truth and to, uh, you know, in a sense, find each other, right. Yeah, to, to, yeah. to, 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 to be able to reach through the, all the messy shit and actually feel the heartbeat of, you know, of the person mm -hmm. that, 
in many ways they love as much as as much or more than anyone else on the planet, but don't have many ways to. So, so what I'm going to say now I'm laying on top of the experience from being able to look back at it. I don't, it wasn't my intention. Maybe it was the intention of some of the therapists or the leaders in charge, but what, what I, what I really see was a, um, to simplify it. It was that these fathers and sons had an immense overwhelming shattering amount of love for each other and almost no way to express it or acknowledge it or honor that. Mm. And then, so the the most impactful moments were when father and son broke through their, the the walls came down between them and uh, you know, like it, it, it's, it's indescribable. I mean, I can describe it, but it's, but it's very, 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 very powerful to, um, to see that kind of true love flow. Where, yeah. where it ha- where it hasn't been flowing reminds me like I I am um, obviously as a father to a son and as a son to my to my father you know I I fully resonate and especially you know I think every culture is probably the culture of masculinity and male archetype but Ireland is um an interesting place for for men um back in the old days as well it was you know it was kind of it to speak about emotion. Or to, to show vulnerability, right, was something that was um it wasn't done. You just didn't do it. You know, and that that's definitely where the, the track out of or where my father came from, hardworking, um, you know, tough, tough man. He you know, he he worked as a plasterer and tradesman and he was extremely good at what he done and took pride in it. I like the like the when the Guinness tools again, sticking with the Irish Irish uh, tradition, you know. So <laughs> But um, I remember I was, uh, like you mentioned, Ecuador, right? So I went, I went to Zambia and I was nowhere near. Um, you know, it was just a seven-day journey. That's all it was, right? But when I was in Zambia, for me, I always had it in my mind that there was, I knew, instinctively I knew that there was walls between myself and my father. I knew that, you know, I knew there was just, you know, we weren't having real conversation there was you know we we'd talk about hurling right which is a sport i play a lot and we talk about surface conversations you know you want to drop down the surface level conversation about the weather the match bloody blah and you can drop down you can have more in-depth conversations maybe about problems and be creative in that zone and then the bottom layer is where you want to be is where you can talk about how you feel express yourself and you know be there for the other person and i think definitely at that top layer is where i but um where I would have hung out with my father if I had conversations with him, you know, which, and that was it. So I wanted to change that. And I, I went to um, Zambia. And to be honest, I was out there then and I kind of felt, I, I always had that in my mind, but I felt, you know what, I've, ex- I've, I've something, I have something now I can hang on to, you know. I can, yeah. Because I, I tried, right? I would have tried to broach the subject with my father. I went, this is what I want to just tell him I love him. Thought it yeah. is. So let's give it a call. So I tried once or twice and it just didn't fucking happen. Like I just didn't have the, you know, I just, and he'd feel it coming, right? He'd feel it coming and he'd divert the conversation straight out of the gate, right? So I knew, you know, he would just, he'd change course, you know, he would, and it was, it was very funny. And I was like, well, fuck it anyway, I, I, I just take the lesson learned and, and step away again. So I remember, uh, I went over there and I said, here I have it now, right? This is, this is what I can say. I goes, I knew I was over in Zambia. I saw, I know it was a great experience and I did, like you said to me about, about those people in Ecuador being fully alive and I fully resonated because the people in Zambia were, they were incredible um, 
people and, and how they are, how they showed up in their own lives was was an inspiration and given their own circumstance even beyond that you know making the most of what they had it was inspirational but I knew that I had something I could hang on to about what I what I experienced over there I could bring back and I could use that as as some inspiration that that I can share with my whole family that I love them all and I appreciate every one of them so I so I got back and I got ready for this like it was a championship game right you know I put on I was, I was ready to go I was fresh step well I was ready to go because I was going up to my my parents home where the majority of my family would have been you know my sister was in Australia my brother was in Sweden so I would have I, I could get on to them separately but my younger sister would have been there right so I went up around half nine in the evening when they usually were there then and uh, I went in into the house and um, it was just my mother so I was like Psh, I got all riled up like a championship game here now you go from zero you know you get yourself into that that zone and he, my father wasn't there so I was like shit but I said to my mother I said ma'am look just want to let you know I appreciate everything you know you've you done for me you gave it everything you had and you know, just want to let you know I love it bits. that was easy Um. Where's Kieran? Where's father? Where's dad? Like you know, so yeah. then, God, there was something happened. Broke down car. Kieran's boyfriend broke down car kind of stuff to go to help him. So I said, all right, I do it another time. But you know, you want to get you can get up like getting up for a championship game is it? You know, you can't do it too often. So I remember I went home and I said, I'm gonna not this. I'm gonna leave this go again now. Like so, I just picked up the phone without even realizing it. I just dialed the number, and uh, my father picked up the phone anyway. And first thing he said to me was like. What's wrong with you? You know, if, you know, because I wouldn't really, <laughs> have that often, right? So he thought there was a problem. And uh, so we should look the conversation, went into hurling straight away, you know, went into sport straight away, ordered again, you know, it was the injury, how was this, how was that? And he was like, Well, I leave you go there because I'm just fixing, I'm just doing something here. And as, I, as he said that, I, I, um, I was like, Dad, just wait there a second, I'm trying to tell you something. <laughs> so uh, I said, Look, I'll let you know, man. Appreciate everything you did for me. You gave it everything you had. Um, just want to let you know I love it a bit. So there was an air of silence on the other side of the phone. This was the response. Are you after losing the fucking plot, yeah? Yeah, but I knew. I knew. I knew he felt it. You know, I knew. Yeah. I, yeah. He felt it. Deep. And I got, a, I got a message off my sister about 40 minutes later to say, Stephen, what say to that? He's so over the moon. He's so happy. Do you know, oh. so you know, I, I, that was that was when you when you when you spoke there, I just couldn't help but bring myself back to that to that moment that I I broke that barrier, you know. But I you have to take the, I took the lead on it. I suppose I was old enough that I could do, you know, whatever age I was, kind of mid twenties. Yeah. Um, and my father, myself, my father, we always loved each other. But you know, now we have more real, you know, there's an element of more realness to to how we shop for each other, you know. Oh man, you gave me the chills and yeah, that's, that's, uh, I don't know what it is, man. That, that, that story and stories like that, they, they get me more than, more than anything else gets me. It just fucking gets me, man. But you can and, go through your whole life then. You can go through your whole life and you might never even just say it to someone you love that you love them. And that's, 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 that's the reality of it. Like. I know, but it's just like, Why? it's so, it's so crazy. Like you have, we have little ones that are about the same age and it's just like, yeah, uh, like what? Like it doesn't it doesn't compute anymore. So and so this is this is you know the basis of a lot of a lot of my focus and, and my work these days is with fathers. And you know I I think it's really I'm not a historian. I can't say this like with with like facts underneath me. But it seems to me like 
our generation right now, our generation, I'm sure this happened before and it'll happen in the future, but there does seem to be an opening. There seems to be an opportunity for our generation to uh, reclaim some of the humanness in, mm. in, in the male, in the male thing that's going on. Right. And to, um, you know, I, uh, I have had really, really, I brought my dad to a retreat. I had actually, I, so I started, I mean, I'm fast forwarding, but I started a company called every man and ran retreats. And if you want, I can slow down and tell more about that. But let me get this point out first is, is that, I invited my dad for years to come on retreats with me and, and experience things and to connect mm-hmm. in, a deep, in a deeper way. And we had had one moment of like forced real connection. My late, yeah. late 20s. Forced real connection. Uh, the word forced just doesn't fit in there. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was beautiful, but it disappeared. Right. And then anyway, I've, um, I've got to experience, you know, full, complete, open-hearted, connection with my dad and I'm insanely grateful for it and um but I guess what I what I'm trying to get to here is that it, it's it is our responsibility I believe right I, I don't think it was the responsibility of my dad to to bring me this I don't I, I think the generation previous mm. right you know um my dad did incredible incredible like to set the conditions for for me to you know, grab them by the shirt and say, I love you, dad. Right. Like, like there was work, a lot of work that had to get the ball to that yeah, stage. Right. But, yeah. but, I, but I do think the moment is here now where um, I don't know what it is, if it's just socioeconomic or it's the evolution of consciousness or it's just who knows what it is, but it seems like the opportunity is here now that uh, we can both still be very masculine and tough and do be good at yeah, mastering yeah. And all of our work, but we can also tell our children we love them. You know, it's it's it. It just seems to be an yeah. opportunity. Obviously, with the kids, my two kids. I mean, I tell them every. I, they're only very young, two, not even two and a half and forty months. But amount of times I tell them I love them is it's uh it's ferocious. But you know, I just have a question, Dan, if you're there, maybe for for people at home or listening in that, apprehension in a position where they haven't broke down that barrier, or or you know. You know, yeah. in a way, right? It mightn't be telling somebody you love them, but you know, just just that that are kind of further away from that. Like, what would you say to them that are listening and kind of being a bit inspired by what we're saying, but need maybe need some guidance in terms of what actually can can they do? Well, yeah. So, so I I think I think this is what it comes down to in a sense is is you y- y- start to realize that a lot of the ways that we interact with each other are just, they're from the past. We're living in the past. We're, we're living based on a different reality. Our patterns and the things that are ingrained in us have roots, who knows how many decades, centuries. Yeah, and I, I right? want to circle it's back, like, right? The lineage exercise you've done with us, I'm, I'm coming back to that within fatherhood and luck because that was something pretty spectacular. Yeah, come on, just yeah. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but I think what what the most maybe the most important part is being able to slow down and pay attention to what's happening right now on a visceral level like a very and i mean this as simple as you can make it i mean just actually you know slowing down and and increasing your awareness self-awareness body awareness emotion just like if you just can pay attention to what's actually true as opposed to all of these programs that are just barreling forward from the past then that gives you the opportunity to recognize that 
I mean, I actually have so much respect and honor for those old, older ways of being. So, you yeah. know, the, the, sto- the stoicism, like, listen, man, if I had to fucking fight my whole life and be the strongest person around, and then I knew my child was going to have to do that too. And it was in order to preserve his life, I needed him to be the toughest motherfucker on the planet. Then I'd do it right. Yeah. Like that, that I get it. And, and like, that makes sense. And I think that was true. I don't know when it was true. I know it was true sometime, but, and there was different versions of that being true, but it's not true now. It's not fucking true now. My, my son does not need to be a fucking blocked up, rigid, stoic, tough motherfucker to survive. In, in fact, that's not going to help him. I don't think, no. I don't think they like, he needs to be somewhat tough, right? He needs to be resilient, but like the, what, 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 it, what happens here is like, there is a wake up moment that that where we realize that what we're carrying of no fault to ourselves is oftentimes what hurts our children more than anything else. So inter, you know, trauma and sort of what, 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 what am I and your generation generally dealing with in terms of harm? Like, of the, how we were parented. Like we've got a fucking therapy and men's groups and my fucking yeah. programs and all this. Yeah. Like those were the things, those were the things that were the, the, that caused the most suffering. Not, not, not being tough enough on the playground. Right. Or I'm, 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 I'm just telling one perspective from, from a, like an elevated sort of intensity. Right but, now. But Dan, I mean, you're, you're not telling one perspective, right? Cause you've, how many people have you coached or how many programs have you ran, right? You're talking about right from that time when you're in the wilderness with, with the young uh, adults, every uh, man, every, right up to what you're yeah. doing now, right? So you're talking, yeah. you're representing in your speech and what you're sharing there, you know, thousands yeah. of, Right. Men are hurting. Men, men, men tend to suffer quietly a lot. And then that, if that's not addressed, it gets just passed on. It's just like, hey, you take it now, son. You take it, daughter. Right? Here you go. Here you go, co-workers. What my shit? Here's my shit. Take it. Take it. And everyone you know? is great. And everybody has that. Like, and I think that's the other aspect of everything is just to, if, you know, you don't often hear if you really knew someone, if you really knew someone, would you feel the way you feel about them, you know? And if it's a negative perspective you have, you really knew them and if they shared, spoke and honest. Like again, if you're speaking to someone with the walls down, you know, I think you'd have everyone's back. But so, well, that's interesting. So the, after, you know, a, a professional lifetime now of breaking the walls down and hearing what people actually feel and think and who they actually are, the, the complete opposite is, com- is always true. I know. <laughs> that people are fucking awesome. People yeah, awesome. are actually really awesome. But it's just that, that withholding, that, that keeping things, that fear-based sort of crunching down on everything. It's, it's like, I, I'm, not tr- I'm not saying that you should just be completely wide open all the time. That, that in no way do I mean that. However, when you choose to let your walls down and you're in an environment where that's okay, the, the natural human reaction, uh, objectively, objectively, just through, just through numbers of how many times is we lean in toward We lean in, you lean and, in, yeah. And that, and that is, and that is how humans have been wired to work together, right? So we're t- just tapping into the basic wiring 
of social mammals, of humans, and what it's taken to sort of evolve and, and live this long, right? Like when we can actually feel each other, it boom, we're just we, we just we lean in and 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 it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. No, it is it's it's a uh, you know transformative experiences, right? When you when you step into that place and your your other people are with you in there, you know, and and just like a bit of a question, I suppose, that or something to explore is like, what is it? Like, and I know we've touched off it, right? But like holding people back from doing that, even in the workplace, I'm just thinking of it, you know, people go in there, right? And they, they, they enter into that space and they just step into like an acting role, right? Of, of this is who I should be. Yeah. So this is what I'm going to be. And, and then they can be themselves and they go back home, right? So like, I mean, there's all of that. And, and you spend so much time in work, right? And so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, and again, I, th- I think it's, it's not, uh, it makes sense, right? I think it makes sense that, that people guard themselves. And, and in some ways, in some places and times, it's the right thing to do. Right. I, again, I'm not, I, I don't ever advocate for just like full wide open, blah, you know, let, let everything out at all times. That, that's, that's not right. But you know what are the what are the barriers to to being more honest? I guess are um, a lot of times people just haven't seen it that much, or if they've seen it, they haven't seen it done in a healthy, functional. So it hasn't been role modeled, right? So they haven't actually hasn't yeah, yeah. hasn't been role modeled. They haven't seen it. Uh, it's scary. It is scary. It's it there is there is an element of risk in it, no matter what. Uh, in a workplace, you know, I think the biggest fear usually is that it could be weaponized or, you know, information could be yep. used yeah. against. And I think that's that's valid too, right? I think that's um, – and so that kind of vulnerability or that kind of openness uh, does require a, a level of safety to meet it, right? Like you, you, don't, you don't walk around just being that open and vulnerable and truthful everywhere, Um but when the when the conditions can be set or when and so conditions of safety they develop over time like between friends and and families and things but then they can also be created intentionally just by you know like even even it's just the beginning of a meeting it's just like hey you know these are the these are agreements is everybody cool with that are we are we open to to just opening up a little bit more to each other yeah. And then that creates that creates the the the, the sense of the, the conditions and the psychological safety. Yeah, and it's it. No, no, you're hundred percent. I think like I, I just want to come in on that point because I work with teams, you know, a lot of leadership teams, and like when you get people, when you break down those barriers, you know, it just everything follows the like everything else. When people are able to, you know, be open, be honest, be transparent, and um, have great conversations support each other back each other um, and be in that environment then the work gets easier you know there's there's more clarity there's more alignment there's more commitment within the team they know exactly what they want to achieve and then they'll support each other in achievement so the results go up and then work becomes more enjoyable but it starts with it starts with that connection and it starts with that vulnerability and it starts with that you know it starts with you which was bringing that to, to the team and then it goes from there right? and it's the most challenging piece right it's, it's and i like anytime you know, I do an exercise with, with teams, story itself. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about the, the, the team itself, it's the story of us, right? So this is the story of us. This is what we're being called to do. Right. And then you have the story of now and what we're going to do about it. But it starts with the story itself. So what brought you to the team, your journey that brought you to this to, to the team where you are right now in this room? And people, 
you know, when I when I bring that exercise to to the room, it's it's you see people get very uncomfortable initially, you know, when they ha- when they realize they have to they have to be themselves, yeah. you know, they have to to share their story and be themselves, and and I think you know on the other side of that, um, it just gets easier for the team, you know. It just takes the first person. It just takes one person to model it. It takes, and, and that's, um, that's just true. And that's, I think, I mean, imagine if this type of skill set could become as ingrained in our work culture and our parenting culture as the, as, you know, just <clears throat> setting goals and hitting them. Right. Like, like imagine if we were able to, um, uh, to just have the reps and the fluency in that type of thing, because you're right. It brings, it brings actual collaboration. It brings actual creativity. It, the, yeah, the capacity for pro like, here's an example of a, I do a lot of work in, in, in organizations and corporations at the, at the executive level too. And the, um, some past clients of mine are, were, you know, co-CEOs basically or co-founders, just call them co-founders. Yeah. And, and, um, I got brought in, I get brought in a lot of times at the, at kind of as a last ditch effort, right? To like, you know, other, <laughs> you got to change that. I knew we got to get you, we got to get you an order. Man. Cause you're, you're no, I, no I, I like it that way. I like it that way. But, but consultants are basically like, I can't fucking figure this out. So bring it down. Um, and, you know, literally, you know, three to five years worth of being stalled out on some of these biggest decisions to be made because they just couldn't get past their their shit with each other. Shit, yeah. And we, within three days, we did a three day intensive. By the end of the third day, we got through all the we got through all the baggage, and within ninety minutes, solved every single one of those big problems that had been looming for years. Just like, like, just fucking knocked them out. So, so, so then, uh, tell me more about like you got three days, but you've got, I suppose, two people that have a lot of conflict and a lot of challenges and a lot of stuff that's going on between them, barriers between them, right? We talk about that metaphor of the barrier, break the wall down. So like what, what was the journey from A to B, right? Or start to finish, right? For them to get to that stage where they're bang, bang, they can make all those decisions in a really effective way. At a high level, no, Danny, I know you can, you're talking a lot of detail here, yeah. but confidentially as well, I suppose, but yeah. I mean, I'll tell you about the process, you know, just simply, because it is very simple, actually. So the beginning is all about building safety. And to build psychological safety, it takes, you got to slow down, you got to plug in and pay attention uh, to your body, and you got to be willing to to voice what's actually happening and, and like speak and act with integrity. Right. So, so it's literally just a slow step by step, like, you know, do some, do some breathing, do some somatic meditation, go, you know, sit on the beach, just whatever it takes to, to like break the cycle of moving so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then start with, you know, start with prompting conversation that starts to go a little bit deeper and a little bit more true and a little bit more true and a little bit more true and a little bit more true. And then all of a sudden, like things start to open up and yeah, there's man. more room. Right. And then it doesn't take that long to see through the baggage and the BS and actually find a place of compassion and understanding. It doesn't take that long. And then once that is created, once there's a level of trust like that, then you can get into the heavy shit. Then you can get yeah. into the, the big issues that nobody could touch, you know, like, cause, cause you had your body in, you can see the other person. There's, there's enough stability and safety to have the big hard gnarly conversations 
you mm. have those and you heal some of that stuff and then all of a sudden your capacity to collaborate just goes through the fucking roof yeah like you said something there Dan, that that really resonated right you see the other person you see the other person because people are so caught up in seeing themselves and what's in it for them and themselves only and even in relationships right see the other person <laughs> yeah so i want to just highlight that as as just you know a catalyst for for good things if you can you know put your own shit to the side and see the other person for for them and you know whatever it is that that's going on for them rather than protecting yourself and being defensive at you know the majority of the time and I, what i what i want to highlight there which is, and I repeat myself a lot, but it is the most important thing is that it's not rocket science to figure out how to see each other. It, it you have to slow down. There, you have to, you have to slow down Hello. first. You, you can't, you can't do it at the normal pace. You have to slow down, and then you have to just get into that place where you where it's safe to take the risks. To, to speak the unspoken and just to just to just to be more honest slow down and be honest is 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 and it's obviously there's a little more nuance to it or but but not really not mm. not really it's just that um, we are fundamentally uh, existentially afraid of sharing our truth with each other right? But, but if we can basically be willing to be the one to do that and to go first and like it, it opens up everybody else and yeah. it's, it's just, it's such a huge gift. And so whether you're a CEO and you're running a company or whether you're a dad, you know, doing your best to, to, to keep a, a marriage healthy or, you know, family going, it's, it's, it's the same exact skill set. Yeah. And again, I just want to highlight the importance of if you're like again the leader, you know, because it's the example you set, so it will be followed. And um, you know, again, there is nuance to that as well, of course. But you know, the leader is somebody that has huge responsibility, and for you to to bring that level of slowing down, um, calmness and openness and vulnerability and courage to the table. What's going to happen after that? You know, and and and, and again, bottom line is, was it in organizations that are really performance focused? Is that performance will go to the roof? You know, in a, in a, in, a, in a human and feasible and sustainable way. You know, that's my experience with it, hundred percent. Yeah, you know what I yours as well. Then, yeah. so yeah, hundred percent. You want that one? You go ahead. Sorry, you go ahead and knock. You're, you're going somewhere. Take us. Well, one other thing that just seems that I think is, you know, again, talking about dads and then talking about leaders in a, in a corporate sense, you know, male, female, what, you know, it doesn't have to be just a guy. And this, this stuff, this stuff translates. It's not just, you know, I, I have specialized focusing with men, um, but it, it, this is, it, it, it works across the board. It's, it's just human. This is human nature. Yeah. It's just a part of human nature that I think um, is particularly uh, hard for, for men. So, but what I wanted to say is, um, you know, there's this interesting sort of stance that I think dads 
I'll just use dads and then we can think about how it translates to the work world too. But, you know, how the, basically pretending to have shit under control, right. Or just like, 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 like the, 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 the forced uh, appearance of competence or the forced appearance of not being affected or not being tired or not being weak or not being sad or not being whatever. Right. Like, at some point, you got to understand, like, people are just going to be like, who are you fucking kidding? <laughs> like, who do you think you're fooling with all of this stuff? When other people sort of, you know, are engaged and present and aware, it's just like, you can't, like, you can't, you can't fake that, right? You, you, you can't really fake that stuff. And I think that, um, I don't know. You know, and, and I think I think of of work situations. I've actually been so lucky. I've had such amazing, so many amazing bosses and supervisors and people I looked up to that were just fantastic leaders. Mm. Um, but then, you know, there were some who were absolute, you know, nightmares as well. And um, I don't know. I just think like for me to be led, for me to follow somebody, the, 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 the first thing, the first box they got to check is just like, like humility and honesty with what's happening and, and not trying to, to, you know, play above what's true, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And compassion is a huge part of that as well. If, you know, when, when somebody cares about you, you know, you really will lean in yeah. towards them. Um, Dan, I want to just, so I suppose sidestep the conversation a little bit, and I know you mentioned every man earlier and you kind of spoke about a little bit coming back to that. Can you, yeah. So tell me more about like every man and you know, what it's all about, where, where it's at right now and how you've set it up, I suppose. And where it, like just all of that. Is yeah. That wherever- so every, yep. So every man's a men's work organization that I co-founded in um, 2016 at the very end of 2016 it had been something I'd been uh, incubating for a really long time. Um, I was just really scared to do so, but it's, it's an organization that, so one of my biggest mentors is a guy named Owen Marcus. And I, and I, I don't need to tell the whole story, but I basically moved from New York city out to Montana, um, uh, Idaho and met Owen and sat in his men's group and learned this whole new sort of methodology of, of men's groups and men's work. And, uh, and it's all about embodiments and emotions, right? And so the that uh, core set of practices kind of intermixed with my other background. Yeah. Um, we launched this company called Every Man, and it had a big moment in the sun, right? When the first year or two, we were in all the big magazines, the you know New York Times, Men's Health. I was on the Today Show. I was on Joe Rogan. I had been yeah. on Joe Rogan prior, but you know we had this big media run and um it set up men's groups all over the world and we did retreats and expeditions um in a lot of ways was going really well it was uh it it was it was an interesting complicated time for me because in one sense i really just stepped into what i knew i wanted and had to do in a sense and it was really like my my offering and um but business sense wise business um, like I, I just, I mean, to cut to it, like I, I was fucking broke the whole time and, and it would, and it, there wasn't, there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't a livable wage that was financially. Yeah. Yeah. So I started coaching at the same time. Um, that's when I started my coaching career. Um, 
well, second phase of my coaching career, I guess, basically started then. But uh, yeah, it was wild. And I left, I left two years ago, uh, probably right around now, honestly, about maybe, maybe yeah. a month, two years ago, I left. So your two year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was hard to leave, but it was um, in terms of my own personal well-being a better decision than starting it <laughs> i would say believe that's an interesting what way was that then oh it just wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't a very healthy situation um for my family and i i mean a lot of things i i i got really caught up in it you know and um put that before my family i thought it was just confusing, man. Everybody was like, keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, and everyone's talking all these big investments and big money and all this shit. Meanwhile, like we're not making any money. And, and like I, my wife is supporting me because she believes in it. And we started having kids, kid, yeah. another kid, you know, just like, yeah. and um, I was gone a lot and I wasn't making enough money to support our family. And it was just, it was just fucking intense. It wasn't fun. It was really, yeah. okay. Um, no. That must have been hard then, right? That must have been hard to be in a position where you, your dream's coming true with every man. Like, it's like, this is my dream. This is, I'm really at my, bringing my best and helping so many people. And then it's like, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was really confusing. So what it was a really confusing. Yeah, it was wild. It was a super wild time. Um, so, so but, you, you know, it, I'm proud. Yeah. yeah, so I left. I mean, it's still going down, right? And it still has, yeah. it still, still yeah. has a good reputation, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's still, doing its, it's still it's still doing its thing. And uh but yeah, I left and um you know I work I, I split my time now. Actually, what I've what I've launched myself is now basically breaking into a handful of different entities, right? So I have Fatherhood Unlocked, which is it's gonna have a pretty big launch in this next month or so to to kind of grow and scale Fatherhood Unlocked. So working with dads, a lot of what we talked about here in the yeah. podcast, that's, that's the focus. I do have a, I have a pretty thriving corporate consulting business, right? So I work with leaders and, 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 do, and teams and, and do, you know, similar work to you in a sense. Um, and then I have uh, force of nature, which is a, a brand that, that uh, I run wilderness uh, expeditions yeah. and, and experiences for men. And then I have a, a like a, a coach training and, and uh, I don't actually train coaches, but it's a mastermind professional training for men's work, yeah. for men's coaches and men's practitioners called, ring of fire and and then i got some other stuff i gotta yeah I, i'm starting to do a first time hunters camp which I yeah did for the yeah. first time this year which was just rad but anyway i got uh i got all kinds of stuff going on right now all kinds of good stuff then i suppose that yeah. that puts you puts you in a position where you can you know make the most impact that you can in, in a way that it's you know pushing right off of your um what you're really, really good at, like, and I know that from experience from being on Fatherhood Unlocked and from just knowing you even before that. So uh, I'm super excited about that. And also, I suppose, we, me and you have talked about and, and are collaborating on doing something together as well, right? That, again, touches off really everything, yeah. every element of what you offer. And I suppose there's a lot of synergy between what, what I do as well and we're coming together to, to bring something pretty special to the world, you know, and, you know, we're looking at kind of... Um, around April, May time next year on that time frame when we're going to do it in person and uh, I would always say stay tuned in there right then yeah 100% I'm, I'm excited about it I'm excited to take a flight your direction and and and, 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 do, and work together the 
you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's an exciting time right now. I feel, I mean, this last quarter, basically, I fully re-engaged in-person work. Um, you know, I had been doing work in person, you know, for a while now, but something's clicked. It just really um, <clears throat> committing back into being, being with people in, you know, in really intentional settings and ways is, there's just nothing like it. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing. I love all the different ways of working with people, but, um, you know, to get together with people on a similar mission and just give them, give them the best of what's possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's nothing like it, man. Yeah, Dan. So can you tell us more about your family, Dan, and the kids? Because that's, again, like all the time you've shared your journey, you've, you've brought three beautiful kids into the world. So, I mean, that's, um, something that has been a huge part of you and is again and probably I would say challenged you a lot at the same time knowing from experience it is a big challenge as well yeah I got a my oldest is six Duke um, I have a four year old named Jude and then we have a 11 month old named Wilderness Wilderness Rose um, every time mm-hmm. I tell people her name every time I tell people her name like well what's her nickname I'm like well she's just Wilderness Wilderness yeah I mean it's it's uh I don't know what to, what to say about it. It's, it's, um, I'm pretty passionate about it. You know, I, I love it. I, I think that, yeah, I was just thinking about this, um, this morning on the way to work is how, you know, the, the transition into becoming a dad is, is pretty, it's a big one, right. You know, just, just the, the amount of your normal life and freedoms and things that you have and space for yourself, like it, it goes away. And, and I was thinking about how, like, I think one one thing that's helpful is to um, basically teach yourself how to be nourished and be filled up by your family and by your time with your kids. So it's not just like, like another task that wears you out, but that it actually like feeds you in a sense. And I would say, I think for the most part, that's become true for me. Right. So we just had a four day weekend and we, you know, four days with the kids nonstop. And, um, it's fucking awesome. It was amazing. And I do feel recharged. I feel, I feel like grounded after I don't, I don't feel tired. And, and I'm not saying that to brag. I just, it, it's, it's, I think, I don't know if it's something I even did consciously, but um, man, I fucking love them. I fucking love hanging out. Yeah, man. You know, I mean, they get on my, they, they, I'm as grumpy and, you know, <laughs> fucking yell at them all the time too. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying it's always like uh, rainbows, but it's uh, man, I just, I love it. I love it. But- yeah. and it's part of being a father as well there's going to be times when kids are screaming and the kids are challenging you and you're doing your best just like what what's going on you know why are you screaming and they're not like they're just going to like, sometimes there's absolutely no reason for it so it will, it will challenge you I tell you like it definitely challenges me at times and my patience but I think through just showing up in the best way possible with um with calmness I suppose you 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 just you just figure out how best to manage those situations. Right? That's that's what it is. You have to manage. And uh, I I through through my coaching supervision that I have, Peter Hawkins is actually very lucky that he's a coaching supervisor of mine. And he I just through our conversation. Sometimes we might never actually talk about a case that we're working on, but we might have really you know strange and wonderful conversations. And I remember he mentioned to me about um bring yourself more grounded in the moment to do the most optimal take the most optimal action or inaction just remember this question it's 
what does life need most from me right now? Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. And for me, yeah. it does that. Like, it just brings me back to, okay, what's, what's, it's not what does Sonny or what does Erica or what do I need or what does, the, it's, it's, it's just when you take that, when you step out, it, it brings me out of me, right? And, and into, yeah, into life really. Like, and I think that, that has really helped us was, you know, just to be. Yeah. I love that. Be. I love that question. Yeah. Yeah, that works. I, I think that's really rad on an acute, like, you know, moment by moment basis. And I also think it's, it's a good, uh, bigger picture yeah. to ask, to ask yourself, like, what, what, you know, what, what is asked of me, you know, and, and that's in, in the conversation about the generations, you know, I, I, I like to go back and like, I think about like, what was, maybe we did this in our fatherhood unlock, maybe we didn't, but it was like, what was life asking of my dad when he was raising me? What was life asking of my grandfather when he was parenting? What was life, you know, because it's different. It's way different. Dan, you know, um, that exercise, you know, was from the lineage, right? Where you, we done yeah. a visual meditation about stepping yeah. into experiencing kind of the, the generations that have gone before us and what they've passed on and what they've carried can you, it's hard to explain that, I suppose, right? But can you talk that a little bit? I'm not sure if you can give us yeah. a high-level yeah, example yeah. or something. Like, I won't even... No, totally. Yeah. Here, here's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a guided meditation that um, I first learned from a from a coach named John O'Connor, a good buddy of mine. And um, the, here, here's the, here's the general concept is that, uh, you know, we get so focused on us and our little life here and we think that this is, you know, what's really happening. But, um, you know, just even just for a second, just imagine your parents behind you, you know, one on either side behind your shoulders with a hand on your shoulder, and then imagine your grandparents behind them and then their grand and then their parents and their parents and their parents. And just like, you can just like with a snap of the figure, you can like imagine thousands of generations of humans that have come right before that. I mean, we literally like, like all of their lives playing out, you know, until the moment that the offspring was conceived, like are all 100%, you know, have a critical impact on our own beating heart right now. Right. And then, so if you imagine this giant wedge or pyramid of ancestors behind us, and then, you know, if we're here kind of in the the present moment, front of it, the the, the top of the spear, but then we start having kids and we can start imagining their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. And it's just like this inverted sort of. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very visual. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just a wild concept and it's, but what I like, where I like to take it is to, it just helps us get out of our fucking like head. Right. Because in a sense, our whole, this whole humanity, all this whole lineage, it's, it's all shared life. It's all an organism of a sort. Right. It's, it's like uh, in, in a way, like it's hard to tell where one starts and one ends. Right. And like, the other way I like to think about it would be like dominoes, right? So think about like all of your your sort of paternal or, or male ancestors yeah. back yeah. as a row of dominoes, 150,000 dominoes maybe, right? Or how, however many there have been. But just imagine that that thing, it's coming, you know, the, the <laughs> time it's coming. And that, that the time that it takes between uh, one domino hitting the other one over is basically our lifetime. It's basically our life. Before, yeah, Jesus, yeah. You know? But that shit just, it, it's, it's happening, you know, it's like, we are a part of a larger flow of life that we, that we just, um, 
you know, I don't know if we necessarily purposefully ignore it, but we're not often in, in touch with it. And it, it does something, especially when you become a dad to recognize that you're a part of something bigger and it's not, I think that's a big part of like the, the male suffering in general is that, is that we don't have much perspective of what we're connected to. We don't have much perspective of what we're a part of. And, um, and so we exist in very, very sort of self-revolving, uh, disconnected little cells, which is just really not fucking happy or healthy, you know? Yeah. Uh, like just when you think of that as a, as a, when you like when you put it that way, right? And it becomes very real, I think, in, in, in terms of when you put it like that. What would you say to people then that are carrying forward um behaviors and, and things that don't serve, you know, that are very negative, that would have come from that lineage? I mean, yeah, what would I say? Um First of all, I get it. We all are, right? No, nobody's escaping that in, yeah. in, in a lot yeah. of ways. And um, but I guess I would say is, is that like I, I really do believe maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe this will all prove itself fucking wrong. But I think what a gift you can bring to your not just your children, but but literally, literally your family, that entity, that that organism, what a gift you can bring. Um, that you'll have no idea what the actual impacts of, right? You you won't actually know, but that's not the point. What, what, what an amazing gift you could give, um, have an impact on generations for, for if you if you take responsibility for it. Yeah, that's the big, like that's a huge challenge for people then, like that responsibility where, you know, when they get challenged or when they do something wrong, it's not my fault, it was your fault or it was, like, that, you know, they'll, divert the responsibility and accountability so you know it, it's um totally get it totally get it yeah I, I mean i i'm i was there this weekend i was like my wife was <laughs> coming after me and i was like you know i wasn't uh, uh i wasn't handling it very well but uh, <laughs> you know the part of the reason I think that the blame and the not taking responsibility is that when we are disconnected and we're sort of standing in the universe all by ourselves and holding up the world, like we don't actually have capacity to, to sort of handle that kind of energy. Right. But, but that's why being connected to, to, you know, I don't know, a friend or a therapist or a coach or a group or whatever it is, like you kind of need that, that extra support in order to, um, yeah, in order to, to, to handle the intensity, because it is intense, right? Like, I mean, I, I think it, it makes sense that we just blame or throw it off, right? Because it's it's hard, it's uncomfortable, and and we do actually need more support to do it well. Yeah, I think having compassion for yourself in those moments is, is, is key, you know? Yeah. I think in, and obviously awareness and compassion are, are huge um, elements of helping yourself and, and, and those around you. Dan, it's coming into... Christmas time, 2022, entering into 2023. Is there any, like, for your own self that maybe you want to share kind of a practice you have around reflecting back on the year to kind of step into 23, just, you know, with that learnings you've taken? Or is, you know, do you have anything at all that kind of you, you do on that? Or I'm think? doing that all the time. I'm doing that all the time. I, you know, I would say 
Um, here's one that I like a lot, and it's 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 a needs it's a needs mapping practice or a tool, right? Just you know, write your name down and write down the name of uh, you know your closest people. So if you're a dad, you know your partner and your kids or whatever it is, and then just look at the names and come up with like what's the biggest unmet need um, that each of these individuals has right now, and then mm-hmm. and then make it make a clear action step to to work toward fixing that. I think it's really powerful and helpful. Yeah, I felt that. I felt that yeah. then. Dan, is there anything else that you'd like to share or anything else that we didn't speak about, man? That, that we... No, I mean, we covered a lot of ground, man. This has been a lot of fun. I have an acupuncture appointment I got to run and get to <laughs> do that. One or two takeaways, Dan, from the conversation because we covered a lot. What's the one thing you want people to take away? Just that, like, you don't have to be so hard. I mean, we didn't even say this, but, like, the stuff we're talking about is not normal and not easy, you know, normal in like a widespread sense. And it's, 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 if it, it's not, um, there's no shame or blame or there's nothing wrong with anything anyone's doing. And it's, if, if, if like this, like you just said, if you want to take more responsibility, you know, and be a chain breaker in a sense for your kids or for the future, like it, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard and it's okay that it's hard. Right. And it, and it's not straightforward and it's not clean and easy. And, um, everybody's doing their fucking best, you know, and life itself is just way harder than we want to like, uh, admit, you know? Yeah. 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 All right, Dan. Thank you, man. We will definitely have, have this conversation continued in the next time we get together, man. So I'm looking forward to to that time, but just want to say thanks very much. You're an absolute, um, inspiration to, to me and I know to so many others. So I think everything we discussed there, you're, you're role model that. Like the honesty, the openness, the transparency, the vulnerability, the courage, and your your desire to help others. And you're actually doing that. It's not that you know you've an intention to do it, but you are doing it. So you know I'm looking forward to working together and looking forward to seeing your um continue your continue to help other people. And that that domino effect that you're having then with, with doing that is it's going to definitely show and, and reveal is and it is already so i just want to say thanks so much man it's been a pleasure thanks brother 